Hi, I'm Vicki Bolson, and welcome to Taking Care in Business, a podcast I created out of my passion for using business as a force for good. From environmental practices to social impacts and all that falls within the realm of corporate social responsibility, I'm always curious about how organizations are taking care in business. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Taking Care in Business, where we talk about organizations that are using business as a force for good. And today I have someone who um, I'm really looking forward to talking with because he is an entrepreneur on a much bigger scale than myself, but a uh, what has been called a bootstrapping business, scrappy kind of entrepreneur. Love it. Um, have one of those in myself, but also in my family, my brother and his sister-in-law started a business from their garage 30 some years ago. So I, I get it. Um, the joys and the sorrows, right? So I welcome Brian Clayton here today. How are you? I'm great, Vicki. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Yes. I'm so excited. So um, I love the name of your first business, Peachtree. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I went on a, a, a weekend trip to Atlanta one time. I saw that name everywhere, and I said, that'd be a cool name for a landscaping business. So that's what I called my landscaping business. I was just a kid, but uh, I stuck with that landscaping business for 15 years, uh, growing it to 150 people and, and eventually selling it. Wow. And you started it when you were still a young person. I mean, you right. were, I mean, you didn't you mow your first yard in middle school or something? Yeah, I was actually forced into the business by my dad uh, when I was 15 years old. He got tired of watching me play Nintendo all day and said, hey, get off your butt. I, I lined up a gig for you. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And he made me go cut the neighbor's grass. And I got paid 20 bucks for an hour of work. And that was awesome. And I just stuck with that. I thought, this is this is it. Business ownership is it. And so I was lucky to be exposed to that at such a young age. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, in 20 bucks for an hour, I mean, that's a really good deal. Yeah, in 1995, that was really good money. <laughs> I'm sure you were like, so ding, ding, ding. It, yep. like the antennas were up and- It clicked. And then what happened? So I stuck with that business. Uh, uh, I went to I went to business school. Uh, I got a degree in business administration and used what little I learned in business school to make a real business plan. And and I thought, you know, maybe I can build a big company in this industry, and stuck it out. Eventually, uh, growing it to over a hundred people and ten million a year in sales. And and then in 2013, I was able to get the business acquired by a big national company. And so that doesn't happen very often in that industry, but, but, uh, it was a lot of lessons learned. And, uh, and after I sold it, I took some time off and I, and, and I thought I was just going to like do passive investing and, and just live the good life. Uh, I had this idea for what the good life might be. And, and, uh, that got boring really quick. There were like, after about six months, I, I began to feel very discontent and I didn't realize it, but the business that I was running was the reason why it was important to get out of bed in the morning. It was like the answer to the question, if it wasn't for me, then what? It was the business. The business was the answer to that question. Then, you know, there was employees and stakeholders and you know, customers that were dependent on it. And that was gone. And so I thought, well, I'm going to start another company. What am I going to start? And, and, I, and I, I felt like, well, a tech company would be fun. And, and I had an idea that an app should exist 
uh, where you should push a button and get a lawn mowing service and and like an Uber, but for lawn care. So recruited two co-founders and we started working on the idea for this app and we called it Green Pal. And now, uh, now several years later, Green Pal is nationwide in the United States where you can use this app to get a lawn mowing service um, same day, uh, even if your grass is four feet tall. Yeah, I just noticed that because I, I piddled around with the app before uh, we got on the phone and I went in and it's so cool, everyone. You um, it, just search for it in your apps, Green Pal. It's, it's right there, um, pops right up. I gave my info and I realized, oh my gosh, I can have somebody come, you know, like tomorrow. And then what's really cool is that you can also add, and it appears that you can't add this the first time, but I could have somebody do my leaf removal or, you know, trim my shrubs and weed my mulch bed and things like that, which is super cool because currently I'm using TaskRabbit. Ah, you know, TaskRabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Great company. It it is great. It's so much like Green Pal, you know. That's right. Um, and for people like me who you know live alone, single, kids are all out of the house, you know, I I rely on things like TaskRabbit. If I can't lift something that's too heavy in my house, awesome. you know, or whatever, and so Green Pal is so awesome because um, you can kind of combine. I mean, I could I could combine tasks like I I could have the people who are mowing the lawn go away. And then the people, the task rabbits that I'm using to come do things like, you know, trim my shrubs or whatever, which, you know, remove my leaves. If I can't get it done myself, I can put it into this one business now and like lickety split, somebody comes and it's the same thing where, um, like I had choices with different prices and different reviews for the people. So I could really find a good match for me, which is brilliant. That's fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that experience with me. It, it really is the way it should be. It, 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 you shouldn't have to call around and get quotes and and wrangle a, a lawn care service to come take care of this for you. It should just be as easy as ordering food on DoorDash or ordering groceries on Instacart. Um, that's the world we live in now. And so we've spent, you know, that's why I get out of bed every morning is to make that possible, to make that as easy as pushing a button. And And on the flip side, those pros that you're hiring, um, helping them grow their business, teaching them what it means to run a professional landscaping business, helping them get more customers with less headache, helping them get paid on time, helping them uh, prosper in this industry is is why we do what we do. So connecting you with somebody who just wants to do a good job, who needs a little help in terms of like the back office stuff and and the business operation stuff, that's what our platform is, is built to do. Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, I recently needed to find a dog sitter because my dog sitter that I've had for years and years went off to college. And uh, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I travel a lot. I need to know there's somebody if I have to do an overnight trip for, a you know, work and I didn't plan on it. What am I going to do? So I thought I need to meet a new person. And so I was thinking, you know, at first I started by asking around, right? Um Hey, does anybody know someone who loves dogs and would love, you know, and then somebody said, no, you need to look at Rover. Fantastic. That's what I did. And it's the same kind of thing. It is the world we're living in. And the gal who I ended up connecting with, um, that's exactly what she said. She said, it's so amazing because, you know, I can scale myself 
while, you know, um, just knowing I quickly, you know, I have, I can take as many jobs as I want. I still have control over if I say yes or no. And, you know, that's, that's something that not the, not the average person has the mindset of an entrepreneur, you know, that's right. Yeah. Nobody teaches us. Nobody teaches us how to run a business. Nobody teaches us what it means to be an entrepreneur. And these platforms can help nudge us in the right direction and give us the, give us the, the best practices we need. Interesting side uh, note, Vicky, when I was starting green pal, I didn't know how to build this thing. I didn't know what the, 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 the app needed to look like. I didn't know what the rules of the platform needed to be. So I used every single one of these peer to peer marketplaces. And so I delivered groceries. I delivered food on DoorDash and I also walked dogs on what Rover and wag oh, for, yeah. for like, for like three months. And so, so it was a really cool gig. I, I, I loved it and I made some pretty damn good money doing it. And, and yeah. so I learned, I learned a lot from Rover looking at, okay, how do they handle it if I was like to show up late and how do they handle it? If I let the dog out, how do they handle it? If um, I forgot to upload the completed work form or something like that. And so I learned a lot about how they architected that platform and applied it to my, my humble world of, of lawn mowing. Oh, that's brilliant. That's such a good idea. I guess that's why you, uh, you're successful. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, well it's a co- good word. <laughs> yes. Copying others who are more successful for me is one reason why we've gotten to where we are. So yes. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. There are little things that can, um, you know, that could impact your ability to get hired or that's right. successful and to see how they're handling those situations. So you can not only learn from them what they're doing, but have the experience and know as an employee or a what I don't, what do you call your members? What do you, do you call them? We call them pros. So uh, yeah, they're, they're pros in this business and they are independent business owners that we help you screen and hire. And we help you get the setup with the right fit because uh, like lawn care is pretty basic, but you may, it may be a rental property that you're renting or you own and you just want a basic, like knock the grass down, keep the city off my back. Um, or, you know, it could be mom's house and, and mom's real particular about, about her gardens and she wants somebody who's really, really good. And so, so it's going to be a different contractor. It's going to be a different price point. Um, so we help you get set up with the best fit and give you like the best rich data around who these contractors are, their pricing, so you can make the best hire. Yes, that is something I noticed too, that I had to say if I was particular or just wanted it done. You ask like how, um, how often you got it mode. And I'm sure that the, all those algorithm algorithms spit out the, the best pros that would be a good fit for exactly what it is that I'm looking for. It's, it's just really great. And, you know, um, for the pros, you know, you are, you're cutting through a lot of the red tape for them. Right. And oh, exactly. It's just such a shared value relationship. I just, I, I love it. What kind of um, impact do you think you're making on these people's, the pros lives? It's really why I get out of bed in the morning. Um, we offer a nice con- convenience for consumers. It's a nice thing where you don't have to call around. You can just push a button and get it done. That's nice. 
but it's not really life changing. <laughs> it's not. It's not like I changed your life with a lawn mowing. Hey, maybe we did. Maybe the city was going to fine you or something. But but in most cases, it's not. It's not that crucial. But for for people that make their livelihood, make their living in this industry, it's a hard life. You 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 get up at five a.m. You sharpen lawnmower blades. You you know you smell like gasoline all the time. You. You, you're always in the sun, you're always in the elements and like you work 12 hours a day and then you get home and you got to do bookkeeping until like 10 o'clock at night on your kitchen table. And, and a lot of times you don't get paid for the work you did. That's one of the biggest things that happens to, to these, these professionals is like they either forget to invoice or, or like they forget to follow up. And, and it's like, it's just organized chaos every day. So like, it's our job to, improve that livelihood to improve the 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 experience of running a business in this industry and help these folks make more money with less headache and literally help them get from five customers to a hundred in in six months and so that's why we do what we do you know we we have a group where we we invite everybody into the group to have discussions about green pal and and how it's helping them and what they wish it would do differently or better and and every day we get we hear a story like Thank you, Green Pal. I was able to pay off credit card debt, or I was able to save off save uh, uh, money for down payment on a house. Or here's a big one: I was able to buy a riding mower. Yeah, I've been push mowing 20, yeah. 20 houses yeah. a day. Now I have a riding mower, and you might you might think be thinking to yourself, riding mower, big deal. Like I've got one of those. No, we're, I'm talking commercial riding mower. These things are like fifteen grand. Dixie Chopper. Yeah, Dixie Chopper, so, something like that. A really, a really nice one. Like that's if you if you make your living in in the landscaping industry, like buying a professional lawnmower that that's fifteen or, or sixteen thousand dollars is life changing. It literally saves your back and it and it enables you to make more money. Uh, you can you can mow twice the the, the houses in in less time. So so that's why we do what we do to help these folks get where they're trying to get to in life provide them with the with the tool set and the platform to do it and and help them improve their livelihood. Yeah. No, it's it's brilliant. So you so talk about peach tree and how so you stopped doing peach tree and then you started green pal. What was the the reasoning for um well you sold peach tree and so then you got bored and then you decided you wanted to do tech company. It made sense to do this. How long ago was that? Yeah, so sold my landscaping business in 2013 and then took about a year off and then started Green Pal in 2014 and it it took 2 3 maybe even 4 years to get traction, to get this thing working, um yeah. to figure out how to fix all of the problems between buyers and sellers and make it a smooth, seamless experience. And we knew my co-founders and I knew that we needed to fail on a small stage and before we started uh launching it in other cities so so kind of nail it then scale it so we were just in nashville tennessee until probably 2017 um and and, and after we we got to a point where we had a thousand or so people using the app and 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 we were making people happy with the experience and 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 vendors were were enjoying it and making more money then we realized okay now it's time to move into other cities and we developed a a little rollout strategy and started tweaking and improving it and and uh now we're in every major city in the United States so any any city or town where you have over 15 or 20,000 people you can use greenpal to get a lawn mowing service 
Wow. It's, it's unbelievable. And I know you're having rapid growth because your people pitched me to have you on this podcast. And at the awesome. time it said that you had 200,000 active users, but I noticed today there's more than 500,000 active users. It's growing. That, it's I mean, finally working. <laughs> that has only been, it's less than six months, probably yep. less than four months. Yep. So that's pretty flipping phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's growing. And, and that's how these things kind of work is there's a very slow burn uh, until things start to take off. Uh, one of my favorite books is, is Atomic Habits. And, and in that book, he talks about how if you, if you look at an ice cube melting, you know, it starts, to, it starts to melt at like, I don't know, 32 degrees. And as you drop the temperature, you don't notice any change in, in the ice cube. But then when that tipping point happens, it starts to melt really quickly. And, and that's how starting a business is from scratch. It's like the first 10 degrees, it's like uh, no noticeable change. It's very much pushing on a string, but you're laying that foundation. You're laying that groundwork for when it does start to work, it tips over very quickly and, and then begins to take off. Yeah. What was the, the biggest challenge that you had? Um, and I'm sure there's operational challenges. There's technical, I mean, there's different categories. So I know that's a really you know, kind of vague and broad question, but is there one thing that kind of stands out that like, oh my gosh, if I could save someone from this headache, let me share this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a video game almost where, where it's always challenging. Every level of this game has its own set of sets of challenges and every level has its own final boss. And, and you, uh, you know, the, 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 you try to focus on what level you're at and you don't worry about Bowser when you're just getting started. And that's what, that's one thing that hangs up a lot of new founders is, is they're worried about levels seven, eight, and nine problems when they really need to worry about levels one, two, or three. And so some of the harder, hardest levels for me were, were those first few levels. Um, you realize that building the product and building the technology and building the platform is really hard. And then you get that done and then you start to, you didn't you realize if you build it, they will not come. And you start to understand that, wow, however hard all this was, was actually the easy part. The hard part is now getting awareness about this app, getting uh, people to download it and use it and keep using it. You know, what is my strategy? What's my distribution strategy? And so, there's a saying that says first time founders worry about product second time founders worry about distribution because the second time founder knows that, uh, that that's the harder piece. And I'm from Nashville and we're, we're known for our, our music. Uh, we're known to be the home of country music. And, and every day we get a hundred people move here a day wanting to be the next big thing in, in country music. And it's kind of like what they go through. You, you learn how to sing, you learn how to play the guitar. You, you write 12 songs, you cut an album. Like I can't imagine how hard that is, how much talent that takes. But then you realize the hard part is getting a hundred people to show up at your show. And, and that almost anybody can, can get an album made. It's like the hard part is getting a following. Well, that's yeah. kind of like what starting an app is like. It's like the hard part is design. It's not designing and building it is getting people to use it. And so that's something that caught me off guard that, 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 that new founders need to kind of know that they're, that they're, that they're going to be dealing with that. Yeah, that brand awareness. <laughs> Ooh, it's a slow grind. <laughs> That's the business I'm in. So, you know. You know it. 
Yes, I know it very well. And just trying to figure out, you know, the target market and then how, how to talk to them, where to reach them, how to do it effectively on a as small a budget as possible, you know, yep. just, yeah, no, that's, that's really, that's really good advice to never lose sight while you're starting a business of keeping your eye on the target market, you know, and I'm thinking back to something you said earlier about you actually delivering groceries and walking dogs and all, you know, I don't know if you drove an Uber or whatever you did, Oh yeah, but to, to, to learn and see and um, experience all that. Were you that wise then thinking about the brand awareness and like really looking at like your customers and kind of sizing them up that, okay, these are the, the, this is my target market. These are the people that are using these tools. I was reading a book at the time because I didn't know the first thing about how to build a tech company. So I was, I was very, uh, I guess I was paranoid and I was, so I was reading every book I could get my hands on about this topic. And one book called the lean startup by Eric Reese. And he talks about how what most founders of, of new tech companies, the reason they fail is because they forget to get out of the building and go talk to their customers. And, and so get out from behind the laptop and go meet with your customers face to face the first 10, 20, 30, 100 customers meet with them uh, belly to belly, you know, I, I'm, I'm from the South. So, so belly to belly meet with your customers and, and, uh, and, and then you will learn, you will learn who is my target customer? What do, what, where do they live? What is their demographic? What, what are their needs? And, and then only then do you understand if what you are building is the right thing or not. And then you begin to understand how am I going to meet these people where they're at? how am I going to market to them? Because now I know in, in intensely who they are because I've met with a hundred of them. So we did that. And, and that was one of the only things that we did right in the early days was really follow the philosophy and the lean startup as, as like gospel and, and met with every single user that would meet with us. I know the inside of every coffee shop in, in middle Tennessee, Atlanta and Tampa, because those were our first three cities. And, and uh, and met with everybody that would meet with me and and talk to them. How do you normally find a lawn mowing service? How do you normally get this done? What do you wish this app would do that it didn't do? What were you confused by? Uh, what 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 did you actually like about it? And that helped inform what our marketing strategy was going to be, what our customers actually uh, uh, looked like, and and informed our strategy moving forward rather than like operating on assumptions and guesses, which which rarely pan out. Yeah. Well, you know, you, um, you definitely are, uh, executing your purpose. You're, these are the, my four P's. So you're executing your purpose. You're impacting people. I'm sure you're making profit and others are making profit because of this business that you've created. What about the planet? Are you doing anything with sustainability with, the glass grass clippings, for instance, what is, what does that look like for green pal? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Uh, hope is not a strategy uh, when it comes to sustainability, because you can't just hope it's going to get better because at the end of the day, if, 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 if things keep going, like there is, there may not be lawns, there may not, <laughs> there may not be lawns to be mowed in, in another decade or so. So, 
So that would gotta, be a problem. Yeah, we so gotta, yeah. have to change green pal to dust pal. Yeah, that's our that's our that's our bread and butter. We got to make sure that vegetation is growing. So, um, in my first business, Peace Tree, uh, sustainability was 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 really starting to gain momentum and 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 come into our awareness maybe in two thousand five, and and we started noticing competitors using sustainability as a uh, as a value proposition. They were winning contracts because because they were proving out that their operations were sustainable and, and, and whether it be fuel efficiency or how they were handling uh, yard waste and things like that. And so we started to do that and we started to invest in, okay, we're going to develop case studies and show how we're reducing how much stuff is going in the dumpster and how we're, we're composting it on our property and how we're, we're recycling, you know, 90% of the waste we're bringing back to our facility. And we're going to show it. We're going to, we're going to document it. We're going to show it on the on the website. We're going to put it in our literature. So that was a big part of what we did there, and and it we took it from like a cost to an investment. It took a while to, to for that to plan to pan out, but but that's what we did. And so I knew when we started GreenPal that that eventually we were we were going to have to to do the same thing. And while in the early days, you know, you're, you're just trying to get a product at the door, trying to get a, a couple hundred people to use it. You know, sustainability is something you need to be thinking about, like, but on the back burner, because no product, no value proposition, there is no sustainability. You don't even have a business. But now that we're we're maturing as a business, we have to close the loop on what what that means for us. And so we we've started off on the right foot where we educate vendors on, hey, here's how you should think about grass clippings. Like, don't don't throw grass clippings in a plastic bag and throw them in a dumpster. Like let's, let's take them back to a facility. Let's, let's, let's take them to the, to the city composting pile or compost them yourself. Here's how you can do it and creating the literature and, and, and the workflows where they can understand that expose them to that. But, but we don't want to stop there. We want to close the loop on it and say, okay, are you composting this upload fo a photo of, of the, the compost pile and of, of the product going in and out and, and uh, and are are you following best practices around fuel efficiency and things of that sort, and and being able to like quantify it is what we want to do. So that's on our roadmap to be able to say, look, we mowed the the, the platform actually did power over a million transactions uh, so far this year, and because of that, because it was done on Green Power, we reduced landfill waste by X percent. That's that's on the roadmap for us because I think that would be a lot of fun to be able to say that and prove that. Oh yeah, that would be. That would be super um, uh, interesting, really, yeah. to see you know what that impact would would end up being. But um, it is definitely, I think, a you know a positioning for a company in this day and age. I know everybody absolutely you know is definitely on the CSR ESG you know bandwagon on you know making sure that's on their sort of big picture view of what their company's mission and purpose is. So, so that's great. That's super cool to hear about, about those um, efforts and in the, in the future that you, you see for Green Pal. Okay. So I want to end on um, one final piece of, uh, I guess, well, one, one last question that is, final piece of advice for anybody who is dreaming of starting a business. It doesn't have to be one thing. If you have a couple things you want to share, 
but I know that, um, you know, it's not easy starting a business. It's not easy to maintain it. And then, and, um, I think people would love to hear what kind of advice you have, because you have not only created one business, but now a second, very successful business. Well, I think if you look at uh, your life as, as, as like a storyline, you, you look at your life as like a movie and you know, you're the main character. Would that be a movie you'd want to watch? Is that an inter- is Do you live an interesting life? Do you have an interesting storyline to your life? Um, I think to, to live an interesting story, there's a, there's a book about this called the story brand. And, and uh, this is what, what the author talks about is to live an interesting life. You have to do interesting things. And, and um, I'm, I'm reading this book and I'm like, yeah, my business is the thing that's causing my life to be interesting. It's causing me to learn new things and try new things and overcome op- obstacles and challenges and, and, and go places in life that I never would have been able to do otherwise. And so if you can look at your life in the context of, okay, is what does the story look like? Um, and how, how is the business going to fit into that? It, I, I promise you, it'll be a, a worthwhile endeavor. Like the experience of creating something out of nothing is for me has just been one of the most rewarding, most fulfilling things. And then seeing how other people get value out of, out of what you help build is just, is just made my life more fulfilling, more rewarding and more interesting. And, and maybe a, a, a story worth telling and, and a movie that would be worth watching. Had I not ever started a business, it would have been much more dull much more blah, much more bland and much less impactful. So, so get started. I promise it's, you're, it's worth it. And, and in, like in five years, you're going to arrive somewhere. Uh, the only question is where, and, and what does it look like? And the business can be the answer to that. It can be the answer as to what five or 10 years looks like for you. Um, and, and I'm very fortunate to be ex- exposed to entrepreneurship at such a young age. I, I've never had a job. I've, I've always, I've always worked for myself. And so that's the, that's the way I've experienced it. And I compare that with what if I had sat in a cubicle for 22 years, you know, working for a big company somewhere, how, how much different that would be? Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. I've never had someone answer that question in that way. That's a really unique way. And you have me thinking about my story right now. Is my story interesting? Has it made me more interesting? Uh, that's, that's a great context to, to think about that within. So thank you for that. And thanks for coming on, taking care in business. I really enjoyed talking to you. Congratulations on your amazing success. And maybe I'll have you back in a couple of years so we can talk about where you are and what kind of impact you're having on the environment because I can see really good things ahead um, on impact in, in, in so many ways that you're already making, but even growing that impact. So uh, thanks so much. Well, I would love to do that, Vicki, and thanks for having me on your show. This was fun. I really love my conversation with Brian from GreenPal, and these are my takeaways. He has identified a need, he has defined his audience, and he has built the vessel to reach them. He did this so brilliantly by getting enmeshed in other businesses, businesses like Uber, TaskRabbit, and Instacart, And then what he created was a one-stop shop for people so that they can get a one-time mow or set up regular mows. And this is for people like me, people who live alone with limited free time, who outsource some of those basic tasks. 
that's how he's going to find his audience. And I, I'm guessing that Brian has thought of these, but my mind goes to storytelling through earned media, getting stories placed in uh, newspapers, magazines, and on the radio and TV through influencer marketing and through a really targeted paid digital campaign. I'm excited to see what Brian develops next. Taking Care in Business is hosted by Vicki Bolson and is produced by me, Morgan Hartman. Together, Vicki and I are part of the team here at Bolson Group. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to help support our show, please follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and updates, be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Taking Care in Biz, that's biz with a Z, or by going to our website at takingcareinbusiness.com. If you have any questions, comments, or have a guest suggestion, you can email us at info at takingcareinbusiness.com. Thank you for joining us today and stay tuned for our next episode to learn more about using business as a force for good.